Golf in Mind, the podcast which looks at the game of golf in general and uh, many aspects of the game, both on and off the course. But in particular, I like to focus on the mental side of golf and playing golf. Um, as you know, my background, or you may not know, um, you may be listening to a podcast for the first time. Uh, my background for the last 30 years has been in the area of peak performance uh, and uh, excellence. The signs of winning, for want of a better word, I've written a number of books. The um, the bestseller by far was called Natural Born Winners, which has gone into many, many languages. And it looks at this aspect of life, which is why if you take 10 people of equal ability, both intellectually and physically, do some become very, very high achievers and others just totally fail to uh, realize their potential. And it's become a very, um, well, it was a very hot topic and it still becomes this sort of almost dark art because people often assume there's a lot of luck involved or opportunities. And I certainly agree that, um, you know, the Roman elder Seneca once famously said, I think it was luck is when preparation meets opportunity. So I think that if we are prepared mentally and physically, then when an opportunity appears, we're in a much, much better position to take advantage of it than to recognize an opportunity, but not have the skill set or the ability to take advantage of it. And it's really that which I think, if anything, can become the, the factor, or as the fellow I knew used to say, that is the difference that makes the difference. And there's some element of truth in that too. So <clears throat> when I talk about the mental game, without exception, whether it's an audience of one or a hundred, Afterwards, everyone will say to me, "Go, oh, that was really interesting and it makes perfect sense and I get it. And, you know, I say there's a difference between getting it and being able to um, replicate it and do it. I mean, I, I knew a fellow who at school who was uh, always sitting at the back of the class and never paying attention or apparently never paying attention. And sometimes he'd be sitting at the back of the class with others just, I mean, I remember one time he was playing cards with the fellow on the desk next to him for most of the class. And uh, the teacher kind of just ignored him. <clears throat> and when the exams came along, without exception, he was the top of the class in every subject. I mean, languages and science, mathematics and uh, the liberal arts. He just was at the top and when he was 16 he passed all the the, the uh, exams the school leaving exams and uh, became eligible to go to university and he could have done medicine or law accountancy or whatever but um he went in a different path now why do i refer to this guy at this point he is what i call or malcolm gladwell would probably call an outlier this is somebody who has that extraordinary ability to do three things that I think are critical. Number one is absorb. So they get information and they're absorbing it. So even when the teacher is talking about irregular verbs in French or 
quadratic equations or uh, catalytic conversions in chemistry. Whatever the teacher is talking about, he's glancing at the board and he's absorbing what's being said. The second thing is comprehension. Not only is he absorbing the information, but he's understanding it. So it's not being learned in parrot or through just memory techniques. He's actually making sense of what he's hearing. And the third quality, uh, which very, very few people I have met have, is he has perfect recall, both with comprehension and understanding. You know, he has the perfect recall. So in sport, there are people who've got one of those abilities, but rarely do you come across people who have all three. And the reason for that is I think if people don't absorb quickly enough, they lose interest. They go, oh, I can never learn French. Oh, I'll never be able to get stop on my ball. I'll never be able to fix this hook. So once you get to that point, it's game over as far as I'm concerned. Because once you believe something to be true, it becomes your reality. It becomes your reality. So if you simply can't um, absorb, then you're going to give up. But you shouldn't. What you need to do if you can't absorb is to break it down even further into tiny little things. When I was at university, I um, really, really struggled with biochemistry. It really might as well have been a um, sort of ancient text from a foreign planet because I could sort of learn the names and look at some of the cycles and some of the uh, enzymes and stuff, but I just couldn't get it. And when it came to the exams, I was way down the bottom. In fact, I think I was bottom. And um, I then had to take a year out of university because they said you can't proceed to the next year. Because So I had to retake the exams. And I went and bought this definitive book on biochemistry. I think it was called um, Leninger or something. But it was like a tome. It was like 800 gossamer thin papers. And I decided I was going to work my way through that book in um, three months. And that's what I did. I spent three months, two or three hours a day, going through page by page. And I didn't go on to the next page till I understood exactly what it meant. By the end of the three months, I had a pretty good knowledge of biochemistry. And um, I went back and I took the exams. And this is absolutely true. I was in the top 5% of the, the year for biochemistry. So you can teach yourself to absorb, but you may have to break things down, slow them down, get help or assistance. Um, the second thing is comprehension. I think in academic subjects, that's one thing. In golf, I think it's a lot easier. Once you absorb something, you'll comprehend it almost automatically. But the hardest part in golf um, for me is what I call uh, sort of the recall phase, you know, you know the right mental state you should be in. You know the pre-shot process you should go through, uh, but you, you, you don't do it. And the reason you don't do it, sorry, I'm putting words in your mouth. Maybe you do do it, but most people I meet don't do it. The reason you don't do it is you don't believe you can pull it off. I mean, you just don't believe you can pull it off. The golf, if there's one game in the world that doesn't lend itself to self-doubt, it's um, skydiving, base jumper, base jumping, potholing, and golf. 
you know, when you jump out of a plane, you better be very confident you have the skill set to save your life. When you do a base jump, you better believe that you've packed that parachute perfectly. When you go potholing, you better believe that you have the resources to get yourself out of any tight squeeze you get yourself into. In golf, people step over a shot not really believing they're going to make the shot, but hoping they're going to make the shot. And to me, that's a, a huge factor. Um, so how do we get around that? And there's one word, practice. If you were to look at the number of golf balls you hit in a year and work out what percentage were shots in play, fun games, competitions with friends, and what percentage were hit in the practice area, I'd be really interesting to know your number. And I think if you ever meet a professional golfer, the ratio is probably 20 to one. For every 20 shots in the range, they're hitting one on the course, and it may be way higher than that for some of them. For average golfers, I don't even think it's one to one. Seriously. I go down to my local driving range occasionally, and I'll see people there just mindlessly hitting balls, but they are not practicing. And I say this to my clients, and I'll say it to you, you have to practice with purpose. Because if you don't practice with purpose, you're not practicing, you're not embedding, you're not comprehending, you're not absorbing, you're just swinging a club. And you can do that in your backyard, you can do that in your office, there's no uh, real benefit. So it is a fact that for most golfers, not all golfers, I'll admit, the more you practice, as the saying goes, the luckier you get. The more you practice, the more you build your confidence. The more you practice, the more automatic your swing is more likely to come when you're under pressure. But for a lot of golfers, practice is boring. I mean, I have to admire, I remember uh, I was invited to play the member guest in Isleworth um, in Florida, but this very nice fellow and his wife. And I was staying at their house and they said, oh, and they told me who lived next door. And they said, oh, that house used to belong to Tiger Woods. And I said, oh, right. And the fellow said, yeah. And he said, I remember one morning getting up at about uh, just after dawn had broken. And I was going to go and have, an early, have a bit of breakfast in the clubhouse and play a round of golf. And he said, I saw Tiger on the practice putting green at uh, you know first light. And he was wearing sports shot, sports shorts and, uh, you know, not dressed as a golfer, just as an athlete. And the guy said he went off, he had breakfast, he played 18 holes, and he got back about one o'clock. And you know how the story's going to end, don't you? Tiger's still on the practice putting green. Now, I don't know about you, if I go to the practice putting green after 12 or 14 putts, whether they're going in or not, I kind of think, oh, I'll go and play some, I'll play golf now. But the ability to absolutely just be on that putting green for six hours. Obviously, you might take a break, go for a run. I'm not sure what happened in the intervening period. But that is the difference between the greats and the goods and us. It is this ability to put in phenomenal amounts of practice. There are and will always be exceptions to the rule. There are, I mean, Jack Nicholas, uh, Colin Montgomery famously didn't particularly enjoy practicing. And once they felt loose on the range, they'd go and play. I would argue that they were people who were absolutely competitive to the level that they could produce these shots by 
uh, it's not by, I was going to say osmosis, not osmosis, but they can produce these shots by almost willpower is the best way to describe it. You know, they will just trust themselves to know what they need to do. Famously, Nicholas, when he was playing in the US Open at Pebble Beach on the 17th, when he hit the one iron that hit the flag, uh, I said that he had to adjust his swing on the downswing. Now, you, what? Imagine. But when you have that level of ability, and I think Montgomery had that level of ability to, to just, he knew his swing and he knew what he had to do. Uh, for other people, they don't want to rely necessarily on, um, for want for a better expression, inspiration. They, uh, they want to know they've got all the, all the shots. It's a bit like, you know, if a surgeon was to operate in you and he was missing half the equipment, but he said, don't worry, I'm a great improviser, you wouldn't be too confident. Uh, you'd want them to have every nut and bolt they require. Anyway, so that was it for this week, is to, to, to encourage you to practice a bit more, practice with purpose. You know, I encourage my um, clients to just take one club to the range. Just take one club. You know, take. I, I mean, if you're taking a driver, take another club to warm up, obviously, but just take one club and just hit that club again and again and again and again and again, as opposed to changing, 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 when you've not even mastered one club or feel confident with one club, but build up your relationship with that club to such point you like having it in your hands. Anyway, that was my thoughts that I wanted to share with you this week, and I hope there's some little nuggets of wisdom there. Uh, anyway, as always, um, if you're interested or keen to take your golf to the next level, please visit seegergolf.com. Um, the link's in the um, uh, the podcast notes. And the first lesson is free. It's a 13-week program which takes you through all aspects of the mental game. And specifically, it gives you lots of drills, exercises, and uh, thoughts to reflect on. And I hope you will. So um, any questions, please drop me a note. Always good to hear from you. And uh, I look forward to joining you next week. And, and until we meet again, have a fabulous, fabulous week. All the best.